and a new era of American space exploration. To be the first means to be a pioneer. Being the first means accomplishing something no one has ever accomplished before. There are trails to be blazed, there's work to be done, and several steps to take. But the pioneer knows that a journey, no matter how long, begins with the first step. Church. I am Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Can we welcome all of our campuses, our Appleton campus, Germantown campus, online campus. Welcome everybody. It is great to be here and to see you and uh, uh, we have a just a great day today that we're, we uh, have a guest speaker uh, and um, we don't have a ton of guest speakers. We're pretty pretty selective about who we have and invite to come to speak. But today are just some dear friends of ours. They've spoken here before. They pastor an amazing church in Liverpool, England, in the UK. I hope you can understand them because they don't talk as sophisticated as I do. Yeah, I know. So um, it was pretty funny. Uh, I, we were talking about accents, and I just told Luke, I said, man, you can say like anything, and it just sounds cool, almost like me. And, um, and he goes, well, your accent's a little different. And so I said, well, you should have really heard like, where I come from. And so I got me and Kevin Miller to do kind of like deep south redneck. You know, like don't have any teeth, kind of no shoes redneck. And I have never seen him laugh like that. And I didn't know whether to be like hurt. So anyhow... But uh, he is going to come, and his wife, Emma, and they're going to bring an incredible word. And today, this weekend, part of this series as we're journeying through the New Testament church is just to take a moment to see what God is doing uh, from what began 2,000 years ago from an upper room with a handful of people to, as we see God's Holy Spirit poured out and the church begins to grow, and I just wanted to kind of push pause in this whole conversation that we're having about the first church to look at where we are today. Because today, more people are coming to faith in Christ and Jesus Christ today than ever in history. The church of Jesus Christ globally and locally is growing in exponential numbers. And, and sometimes in the world in which we live in, we just think this is shrinking and people aren't and they're not and this isn't happening. But where the church is growing, it is flourishing in incredible, incredible ways. And so Europe is one of those places, especially Western Europe, where it is God is dead. But you're going to find out today that he's not. He's very much alive. And so wherever you are in the world and whatever's going on, I'm just telling you, Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell are not prevailing against it. And so I just wanted to take that time just to kind of share, and, and want, I want you to hear. Uh, I've said this before, if I could get you on an airplane with me and we could all go to different parts of the world 
It would open your eyes to see and to hear and to, and to realize God is building his church. This time last weekend, I was in Colombo, Sri Lanka, and I'm in a room that seats 5,000 people, no air conditioning. People are walking to get to church. In the, in the first service that was spoken in Singalese, the second service in English, the third service in Tamil, and, and they're, they're just packed. They're just there. And it's just amazing to see what God is doing and to see what happened from a handful of people. And, and then if you journeyed with me to, to, to Liverpool, you, you would see just, well, several hours ago now, but, but, but how the, the church there is flourishing and exploding and God's doing amazing things. And so this is just kind of a taste of what God's doing. And you are a part of this. This couple, Luke and Emma Bryant, uh, as, uh, as, as, they, as they began to make their way to the platform, is, uh, they, they, they are a couple that, that you've invested in financially, that you've given to financially, that part of their success is because of your generosity, Life Church. So I want you to give a big Life Church welcome to Luke and Emma Bryant, our guest speakers this weekend. <laughs> Hey there, Life Church. It is so cool to be with you. Um, this is our second time here, and the first time that we were here, you were in your older facility, and it's just great to just be able to come back and see the incredible stuff that God has just been doing through you amazing people. We love your senior leaders. We just think they're incredible, and all the team and all the staff here. In fact, Aaron Cole has become such a good friend of ours. Can we just give it up for Pastor Aaron, because he's a great friend of mine, an incredible leader. An absolute all-round great bloke, as we would say back in the UK. But I just want to introduce my wife, Emma, to you. Why don't you say hi, hon? Hi. <laughs> we want to say a great big hello from all our friends and family in Liverpool. We love being in America. We love your team. We love your pastors. We were out with the guys last night, and I got into um, Kevin and Noel Miller's car, and little London says to me, hello, Poppet. <laughs> I thought that was so sweet. And um, so he's been practicing his English. But it is so good to be out here because I think it was three years since we were here last, and you just started to draw out the plans and the groundwork for this tremendous facility that you've got here, this building. And so to come back now and to see the building and to see, um, we were looking at all the plans that were drawn up and the process you've been through to get to where you are today. You've planted Appleton since you were here. So we say a big hi to everybody out at Appleton. And um, you know, it's incredible to just, just to see what you guys are doing here. Um, but you know, I love the story of, of um, the Israelites when they went into the promised land. And after they'd been in their promised land for like 40-odd years, Joshua and Caleb are having this conversation. And they begin to tell each other, you know, since we've been in the promised land, we've taken more ground than we've ever taken before. We've won more battles than we've ever, taken, than we've ever won before. And we've seen God do more victories than we've ever seen before. And I want to encourage you, Life Church, and say, this building was not the end result, but this is the start of what is about to come for you guys, because God's going to do more in the coming years than you've ever seen before. So keep a good heart, keep a good attitude, keep championing your wonderful pastors on, because they are like, they are looking so closely at what's going on at home, but they're so globally minded as well. 
They're great, great people. You keep encouraging them with, a, with, a, with an attitude and a spirit that says, I'm as passionate now as I've ever been before. And just keep going. And we're believing for God's best upon this house and this church because you're so impactive. Um, it's so much further away than just here in the USA. So a great big, huge thank you to you all. Let's give it up to my better half. I am, um, I'm going to let you into a little secret, actually. I'm delighted that Emma could make this trip with me because um, if I'm really honest and I just kind of expose some of our recent marital difficulties, uh, the last time we took a trip together, it didn't actually end that well at all. In fact, one could say it very almost ended in divorce. Over the summer, we had taken a family holiday, and we'd gone to a place called Turkey, which is just, it's wonderfully hot, and the sea water is so clear, and the kids could have fun, and we could dive and do scuba diving and snorkeling, and we could just hang out on the beach, and it was just a great place to go, and when we went... Emma, um, Emma's father had recently purchased this new fancy camcorder that had the ability to record video footage under the surface of the water as well as above it. So what we would typically do is we would video stuff throughout the day in the sea, in the pool, and then we'd come to the apartment of an evening time and we would just watch that thing back and it was just great, great fun. One night, though, we'd gone in from eating, and Emma was just stood at one side of the kitchen, and I was at the other, and she was, like, going through the day's footage on this camcorder on this small 65 mil viewfinder, and she's kind of, like, looking through what we had been doing that day, and then she started to say something that really every husband always wants to hear. She just kind of looked up and said, honey... Your chest is looking hot. And I've got to be honest with you. I mean, at that time, my confidence was going through the roof. I was getting a big head, and I unashamedly say that because that's the kind of material that every guy wants to hear their wife say. And then she went on to say, you know, actually, have you been working out? Because you're looking like James Bond. Now, I know some of you are probably sat there thinking, uh, and even at Ableton as well, you're like, did I miss that version of the bald James Bond? I'm not too sure about that. So I went over to have a look at this camcorder footage because I was like, you've got to show me that. I want to see it. So we're both gathered around this small viewfinder and we're watching the day's footage and she keeps like looking at me and winking at me and saying, your chest is looking hot. And I'm looking at this footage and I'm like looking at her and I'm looking back at this footage, and she's going, your chest is looking so great. And I'm looking at her, and I say, are you serious? And she's like, yeah, your chest is looking super hot. And I'm like, that is not even me. You have been videoing the wrong guy all afternoon. And she's like, are you serious? I'm like, you've totally, you're screwing this marriage up. This, this could be, we might not recover from this. I mean, guys, could you imagine? <laughs> if it had been the other way around. Hey. Apparently, this is no big issue and I need to get over it. Could you imagine me saying that to Emma? I think the pans would be flying that night. But as far as I'm concerned, Turkey, the only thing that that place is known to me for now is that was the place where we nearly got divorced. You know, we're from uh, Liverpool, England, where we've um, just been so intent recently about planting a church. And 
Our city in the UK is known for many things. It's known for its passionate love of sport. We've got two great football clubs. And by the way, that's real football, where the ball connects with your foot, okay? And um, none of these pads and helmets. I don't get that. We don't know what that's about. So we've got Liverpool Football Club. I'm not going to swear on camera and mention the other team in the city. But we have two football clubs. And um, around the world, they're known. Liverpool is known for their music. You'll have heard of the Beatles, right? You know, so... We're known for that. We're an historic sea trading port, and we're known for good things and bad things. In fact, Liverpool was once the slave capital of the world because it was where slaves were brought in from Africa and where they were marketed before they were transferred to other places around the globe, including America. But we're known for good things and for bad things, but one thing that we're just not known for is the church. And that's despite the fact that we have the world's fifth largest cathedral, and that's despite the fact that Wesley, some hundred years ago, had a church right in the city center of Liverpool that could seat 1,400 people, and that service would be filled four times over every single Sunday. We're just not known for church. In fact, Liverpool's a city where most people just don't go to church. They don't only not go, but they perceive it as being irrelevant. They perceive it as being not needed in their life. And I guess that we just... We just want to change that perception. We decided some four years ago now that we were just going to risk everything. We were just going to take that step of faith, put everything on the line as we just felt God's call that maybe church planting was something that we should be doing. And as we set about accomplishing that goal, we were, we were told some stuff. People came, or the ministers or the people, and said, whatever you do, don't plant in Liverpool. It's just the church graveyard. Nobody wants to plant a church in Liverpool. Another minister came to me and said... Wherever you go, don't go to Liverpool because it's the most spiritually dry place in the United Kingdom. Now, I'll be honest with you. I was like, I don't even know what that means. I, I'm not trying to make the city spiritually wet. We just want to build a church. It's simple. We just want to reach some people for Jesus. But everybody told us, whatever you do, don't do it in Liverpool. And I know what you guys are probably sat there thinking right now. You're probably like, wow, you're just so encouraging in Liverpool. The truth is, though, some four years ago, we just risked everything, and in that time, we've just been able to build something that is maybe different to what's happening in our nation, because we're just intentional about reaching people who are far away from God. We're committed to changing lives for Christ one life at a time. And I just want to take a couple of minutes out and just show you a video that's taken directly from the homepage of our website to just give you a snapshot just a small sneak peek, really, of just what's going on and what we're doing in Liverpool. So just fix your eyes onto the screens. Welcome to Liverpool One Church. We are delighted that you found us on the web and we hope that you can find all the information you need as you spend time just browsing your way through the site. Liverpool One Church, it isn't your average church and that's because we're specifically designing and building this church for people just like you. Each and every Sunday we meet together as a church and we're full of people from all different kinds of backgrounds across many different ages. And we're so intentional about creating an environment that makes it really easy for you to come along to. And we would love you to come. 
We'd love you to be part of what happens on a Sunday at church. And we'd love to welcome you and invite you, even if it's just to check things out and just to see what's going on. So if there were one thing that I were able to leave you knowing at the end of this short video, it would simply be this. Whoever you are and wherever you are from, we want you to know that you will be most welcomed and accepted at Liverpool One Church. You, your friends and all of your family at Liverpool One Church. So we look forward to seeing you. year in 2014 we had 74 people make a decision to follow Christ and most of whom we are their first ever church experience yeah that's a great because let me tell you this we're, we're kind of we're not about the numbers but we kind of were all about the numbers because of what the numbers represent. We exist to change lives for Christ, just one life at a time. And in our environment, most people, they're not willing to go to church anymore. So we celebrate every single one of those numbers because of the story behind the number and what that represents. In fact, one great story was that prior to me planting church, my career had been for many, many years just in the police department. And um, I'd done various different things in the police. And on the day that I had decided to kind of just go crazy and risk everything and resign from the police in order to just plant church, I'd submitted all of my formal paperwork and they deployed my superior officer, my boss, my sergeant round to my house to just like talk me out of this. And uh, he came round and he just said, look, Luke, I, I want to be really honest with you. As we just chatted in my living room, he said, I think you're making a really bad mistake. Nobody goes to church anymore in England. And, um, you know, you you're kind of about to commit financial suicide. You're going to leave a job that, well, I, I don't know what it's like here, but in England, it's kind of like you've really got to screw up massively to ever get the sack from the police. It's a, it's a job for life. It's great. And um, another thing is that you, you forgo all of your pension, which is commonly known as being a, an excellent pension plan in the police in the UK. And he said, I can't believe you're going to risk all of this. This is crazy. You don't really want to be doing this. So I explained to him a little bit about what our heart was and what we were intentional about doing, and I invited him to church. So he came really reluctantly with his girlfriend at that time, who I'd also worked with. She was in the police as well, and, and he came one Sunday, and he came the next Sunday, and he just kept coming back, him and his girlfriend. And then 12 weeks in, they both made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And the crazy thing is just this. Not only did they make a decision to follow Jesus, but last year I had 
the honor and the privilege to marry them both. And now they both serve on team at the church. And even whilst I'm here with you guys in America, my ex-boss in the police is helping run service back home. We exist to change lives for Christ one life at a time. It's what we are about. But I want to say this. I say this humbly. Part of our success and that number of 74, I want you to know that it's in part, it's down to you guys here. I want to say a particular big thank you, a heartfelt thank you from Liverpool to your senior leader, my friend, my mentor, Pastor Aaron Cole, because he has been off the chart with us. I mean, this guy, he was so willing to invest in us when we had nothing and no one because he just, I don't know, maybe he was having a crazy day, but, but he was just willing to take a punt on some potential or whatever. I don't know what came over him, but we just started to connect and we'll regularly talk just about church over Skype and we'll keep in touch all the time. And he's been over to our church to just help teach in the church and he's helped helped us to build team and build a board. And I just want to say personally, thank you to Pastor Aaron. You are an absolute legend in my opinion. And we back at Liverpool, we love you and we appreciate you, but also Life Church. Thank you for being the kind of church that releases your senior leader to do that. Because we know that when he's in Liverpool with us, he's not here with you. But we understand that you have a heart to build the global church. We call it global. You know, we build the church locally, but we operate on a global scale. And you're the ones that has really facilitated that. And I just want to say thank you, Life Church. In fact, one thing that you may not even know about is that in our really early days, you know, we had like one business guy in the church and he'd come to us and said, hey, what do you need? And we were like, look, we, we need some vans or something because we've got this crazy idea of doing pack up, pack down church, but we've got no way of doing it. And he was like our sponsor and he provided us vehicles every weekend just to bus gear in and out of venues and conference space and hotels and whatever premises we could use. And then one day he came to me really apologetic and he just said, look, I'm in a bad place in my business. Things have started to change and turn financially. I'm just not able to give you that support that I really want to. I, I can't give you the vans. I mean, that was like, oh, we're like bust before we've even got started. This thing is broken. We had no way of even running service. And it was you guys at Life Church that stepped in and provided us with a financial offering that enabled us to go and purchase a great big old van that we use today to just build service and make that happen. So I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you, Life Church. You've been incredibly kind. You've been incredibly generous. You have represented Christ well. It's that theme that I want to just speak to you briefly about today. I want to talk to you about how we can all together represent Christ well. In a moment, we're going to go to a small passage of Scripture found in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 5. And the author of this passage is a guy called Paul. He was the apostle. And he's writing to this church in Corinth when they had started out. He planted the church a few years earlier. And they were just going through a difficult time. And I guess that we can all relate to that. We know exactly what it's like to go through difficult times, whether it's at home or in the church. And he wrote them a letter. And I guess the essence of his letter was this. 
hey church, as you're starting out, as you're in the early stages of building church and building teams and growing leaders and reaching your region for Christ, there's something that you've got to know. He's saying there is something that is so imperative that you understand what this whole thing called the church is all about. And he sets that up and then he goes on to tell us what he does in 2 Corinthians 5 that I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation from verses 19 through to 20. He's saying, guys, this is really important. You've just got to grasp what I'm about to tell you. And this is what he says, starting in verse 19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us, let's stop there, he gave us. If you've got a Bible and a highlight, a pen, underline that word, he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Highlight that word. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So Paul's writing this letter to this early church when they're just getting going, and he's saying, look, one of the first things that you've just got to know is this. God has decided to give his one and only son, Jesus, because he is the vehicle that mankind, the planet, can be reconciled to me. And you only ever need to reconcile a relationship when the relationship is broke. And he understood that because of just the way that we live our life, we break our relationship with God because of, because of our sin. And we needed a savior, and that was Jesus. And Paul was saying, look, we know that God has given Christ, and he's reconciled us in our relationship to him. But now you've got to understand that he has given us this message. Notice that Paul doesn't say, he has given your senior leader this message of reconciliation. He doesn't say, I've given it to your executive pastor or your staff team or your life group leader. He says, he has given us, that's me and you together, this wonderful message of reconciliation. And then he goes on to call us something that I just think is a great phrase that we've got to understand as we just determine in our hearts, me and my team back in Liverpool and you guys here in the States, he says, look, we are Christ's ambassadors. I love that word. Notice that he doesn't call us Christ's acquaintances. Even though we know God and God now knows us if we've chosen to place our faith and hope in him, he calls us Christ's ambassadors. He's kind of saying this, as you're starting out on your church journey, as you continue to believe in Christ, what you've got to understand is this, you no longer just know Christ, but you become an ambassador of Christ. You represent him wherever you go, whether you're on the sports field or you're in college, university, your business environment, your work environment, you and I together, us collectively, me in Liverpool, you in America, we all represent Christ. We represent the story of reconciliation that God has given to this incredible planet to just restore relationship between man and God. And I guess that it's that that I want to talk to you about today because my prayer for you, Life Church, is this. Both here in Germantown and you awesome guys in Appleton and everybody joining us online, our prayer for you is this, that as your church becomes increasingly known in this region, 
that you would be known as representatives of Christ, ambassadors of Christ, more than you have ever known or experienced thus far. You see, the thing is, it's easy to get the sound of being an ambassador of Christ right more so than it is to get the look. Let me explain it like this. In our house, we've got three boys, right? And in fact, I could really do with your prayers right now because we've like ditched them with Emma's mum and dad and we don't even know if we've got a house to go back to when we go home. When those boys get together and grandma's in town, it's like they're going to have some crazy fun, push all the boundaries. We've got no idea what we're about to go home to. But every night when we have tea, the deal is that the kid's job, like their one and only job, is to load and unload the dishwasher. And you wouldn't believe the amount of grief that we get from this one simplistic task. Some of you are clearly parents, right? You know, is that not just us? No, it happens in my house too. We say, kids, can you load the dishwasher? And they're like, what? I have to do everything. Why can't he do it? I did this, you know, like picked up a pen or something, you know. And it's just sort of, look, can you just do it? And then eventually one of them will come round and they'll go, I'll do it, even though I do everything. I'll load the dishwasher. And it's kind of like what they're saying is right. They're agreeing. Yes, okay, I'll do that. But their body language is just telling me they don't want to be doing that at all. The way they look, the way they represent is like, yeah, they're not interested in that at all. And I want to talk to you from that angle as we consider becoming just better ambassadors of Christ. It's easy to get the sound right. God loves you. Jesus loves you. Bless you, brother. It's easy to get the sound right. It's hard to get the look right. So I have a question for you. Because we found this, people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. So my question for us today, church, is this. What does an ambassador of Christ actually look like? What's their body language like? How do they act? How do they represent Christ physically? So the first thing I want to just give you, and I want to make this really practical, I want this to be usable by you guys Monday through Sunday and wherever your environment finds you this coming week and over the next months, I want you to know that ambassadors of Christ, they reach, they don't push. Our youngest boy, he's eight years of age now. He's called Solomon. He's a real tyke. He's a live wire. He, like, plays sport. He's mega, mega active. He's always into stuff. And we've got, like, one rule in our house. I'm sure that we have more. I just don't know what they are. But we've got one rule, and it's, boys, you're not allowed to play football in the living room. You can play in the garden. You can play on the field. But you can't be playing football in the living room because stuff is going to get broke. A few months back, I came home from work, and Emma just says, you know, look, you're going to be pretty mad at this, so I'm going to let you know, but, but Solomon was playing football in the living room, and um, he, he's broken your speakers. Now, I can only say this. I know it sounds a bit weird, but, but I'm just really into good sound. I really appreciate that. I don't know much about it, but I just love a good sound. That's why I love Nando and the team here. I would love to just have them come and be in my living room forever and just sing to me. That'd be awesome. So um, years and years ago, I invested in a really good and cool pair of speakers, and my little boy, like, smashes them with the football. So I, like, go and get hold of him, and I'm like, Solomon, this is crazy. I can't believe you've done this. I'm so cross. I'm so angry. And I just started to let rip at him, and he's crying, and he's sobbing, and snot's flying out of his mouth, and he's just so, hey, don't get sympathetic towards him. He busts my speakers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So uh, I'm just like going off at him, telling him off, and, and I sent him to his room, and then Emma just pulls me to one side and said, look, I, I think you've probably been a bit harsh on him. 
I know they're broke, but you went a bit far there. So I go up to his bedroom, and we have these things called captain's beds. I'm not sure whether you guys have these, but you climb like four or five ladders, and then you get to your kid, and they're in their bed. And he's pulled the cover over his head, and he's just sobbing and shaking, and he's just uncontrollably upset because of what he's done. And I just start fighting with him. I go under the covers, and I'm trying to reach his physical body. And as I'm reaching to him, he's kicking, and he's pushing back. He's like, I don't want to come out. I know what I've done is wrong. And I'm just trying to reach him and pull him close to me, and he's just so sobbing, like, Daddy, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I've done that. But every time I went to reach him, he just wanted to push me away because he felt so bad about what he'd done. So in the end, I just got forceful and I reached into him and I grabbed him and I put him in a headlock and I started to kiss him on the top of his head. And he's going, but Daddy, I know you loved those speakers. You might have even loved them more than me. I'm so sorry. Easy. Let's not be too sympathetic. He busts my speakers. Let's not forget that. So I'm like kissing his head and I'm like, Saul, listen, it doesn't matter. There's nothing you can ever do that's ever going to stop me loving you. Because ambassadors of Christ, we reach and we don't push. Is that not exactly how God responds to us? He reaches in despite our natural wanting to push away because we feel bad about what we've done. Church, I've got a question for you. Who is there in your world that you can reach despite their push? The second thing that ambassadors of Christ look like is this. They, they have a statue that is open-palmed and they don't point. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament is found in John 8, where they bring this girl in front of Jesus, all of the religious leaders, and she'd been caught right in the act of adultery. She's sleeping with a guy that isn't her husband, and they bring her to Jesus, wanting him to judge her and make her feel bad about everything that was going on. And bearing in mind, she's an adulteress and she's a homewrecker, right? I just love it where this girl is probably kind of crying and sobbing and broken. And it talks about how Jesus turns to all of these religious leaders that have brought her to him. And he asks them a question. He says, okay, then how about we do this? Let him that is without sin, you can throw the first stone. And then it recounts how everybody walks away just one by one. The scripture refers to how Jesus stoops low. He gets on the same level as this broken, messed up girl. And he just says to her, where are your accusers now? She was expecting him to point and bring judgment and make her feel bad about herself. But instead, I would imagine he would have stood like this and said, where are they now? In the same way, (laughs) I don't accuse you either. We live life open-palmed. We don't point. A couple of months back, there's a guy that came to me at the end of church. He'd been coming to service for maybe, I don't know, three weeks, and I'd not yet been able to speak to him. And he was clearly just distressed. He came, and he's hanging his head in shame and Something was weighing him down, and he says, can I speak to you? I say, yeah, sure. We go in a quiet area, and he just starts to cry, but he won't lift his head up. And his shoulders are just shugging, and he starts to apologize. He says, I'm so sorry. You won't want me to come to this church anymore. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, mate, tell me what is going on. He said, you're going to ask me to leave because I want you to know something. <laughs> I'm HIV positive. And my latest medical report has not come in good. I've grown up making some bad choices. 
And this guy is expecting me to point. He's expecting me to like respond in a way that says, you're not welcome here anymore. So I grab hold of this guy and I bring him close. And I say to him, you've got to know, we are building this church for people just like you who never thought they would find acceptance, who never thought that they would ever get a shot with God. We're building this thing for you because we're going to live life open-palmed as we represent Christ and choose not to point. Church, I have a question. Who is there in your world that you maybe feel like pointing at, but instead you can show them your open palms? My third and final point is simply this. Ambassadors of Christ, we accept and we don't avoid. Another story maybe you're quite familiar with it is the story of the prodigal son. Well, there's one line in that story that just gets me every time. This kid, he's offended his father in every way, shape, imaginable, and he just turns back up at the family home. And there's a line in it that just basically talks about how whilst the boy was still a long way off, the father could see him coming. And the dad, even in light of the shame that would have been brought to his family by his acceptance of his boy who had offended him so badly, he ran out to him and he starts giving him these gifts because he wants to accept him and not avoid him, even in the mess that he came to him. We accept and we don't avoid. Before I was in the ministry full time, I worked in the police, like I mentioned. I did a number of roles, and one of the things that I, I enjoyed most was I worked on something called response. What response does in the UK, I'm sure it's so similar to you guys here, is that you respond to any treble nine. Your 911 calls, the blue light emergency, so when the wheel is falling off somewhere, they, they deploy this team of people who work on response. And um, I remember this one day, an incident, a job started to come through the radio, and, and you could always get a sense of how severe the job was by the way in which it was given out over the radio. The incident came in and it was just reported that there was a three-year-old three girl that was on fire in a textile mill. And when the job was given out, I was right outside the building. Me and my partner, without knowing any more information, we just went running into this old converted textile mill. It sells material, you know, like curtains and bed sheets and all of that sort of stuff that you can buy in bulk. And, and we run into this building and, and it is crazy. It is it is chaotic. It's pandemonium in there. There is this girl, and she is she's screaming at the top of her voice. She's like in panic. She's in shock. She's hysterical. And she's now naked, stood on this textile mill table as people are just throwing and pouring water over her as she's naked. And everyone's worrying about what's going on. And we just get in the middle of this mess and we're checking this girl out. And we've got paramedics en route who arrive really, really quickly. And all our attention is on this girl because we don't know what's happened. She was wearing a long, floaty, flowery dress, right? Like any three-year-old girl would. And in the corner of this textile mill, there was a, a butane heater that had an open flame that had caught the bottom of her dress and literally set her dress and all of her undergarments completely on fire. The paramedics come in and they're checking this girl over and they're like, we can't work this out. She's okay. There's not a mark on her. her. Her hair isn't touched. Her skin is in perfect condition. And after a few moments when everything starts to settle down, then all of a sudden 
our attention turns to the father of this three-year-old girl who is just stood further back from where all this commotion is happening and he's holding his hands up high like this and he's shaking violently. We see him and his hands, they're just black. They're just messed up. The burnt open wounds. The paramedics get on it really quick and they're trying to do everything they can but he's in a bad, bad way. He gets moved to the emergency burns unit that's not too far from our city and they amputate a number of his fingers because he had grabbed hold of his baby girl, stood her on a table and fought with all of his might, even to the detriment of his own body, to get every ablaze piece of clothing off his daughter because he wanted her safe. What dad wouldn't do that for their little girl? What parent amongst us wouldn't be willing to do the same? And he loses three of his fingers. And it's like, what a sacrifice. Isn't that just exactly how God treats you and I? Isn't that exactly how God had chosen to reconcile the planet to him when he gave Jesus Christ? As his one and only son to not lose his fingers, but to give his life sacrificially. So that people who are far away from God, who would never expect that they would get a shot with God, can be brought back and reconciled in relationship to Him. You see, it's our job to take the lead from Jesus. We accept people. We don't avoid them. It's not our job to judge. It's our job to love. So in closing, I have one final question. Church, who is there in your world that you know? in your school, in your workplace, in your college, that you can fight the urge to avoid and instead choose to include and accept. Because together, we can make a difference on this planet. Church, can we bow our heads tonight? Can we close in prayer? Heavenly Father, I personally am so grateful for every single one gathered in this great church tonight, in this great place. But my ask of you tonight, this morning even, Father, is that you would enable us to live life as an ambassador of Christ in a way that fittingly represents you well. Help us to love people and not avoid people. And Father, I pray that you would give the strength and the boldness to anybody in this room today who maybe has not made that decision to follow you. I pray that today would be the day. It would be their minute, their moment, that they would choose to put their faith and hope in you. Amen. Like Church, the impact that you have made on church plants all over the world has been astounding. In Cuba, over the past few years, thousands of new preaching points have been developed. In Asia, over the next 10 years, over 10,000 new church plants will take place. All over Europe, healthy churches are being started in areas that have an idea of Jesus as just a religious figure, but now they can know Him as their Savior. All over the world, the local church is flourishing, and because of your generosity, you've had a big part in this. Take a look at just a few of the stories of numerous churches that you have impacted Life Church.
I'm Pastor Dino Rizzo, Executive Director of ARC Association of Related Churches. And I just want to thank Pastors Aaron and Tammy Cole because you as a church, you've made a huge difference helping us plant churches. Just last year alone, we planted 90 churches. My goodness gracious, that's 90 churches making a difference. Just this part right now of 2015, we planted right at 24 churches already that have launched out in 2015, reaching people, coming to know Christ. It's amazing what God is doing. This is Earl Kreps coming to you from my backyard in Berkeley, California, the scene of the water baptism services of 360 Church, the new congregation we planted here about 10 miles from San Francisco with the help of your congregation. We're so grateful for what you guys have done. We will never fill up that tank without thinking of you and praying for you. My name is Brian Schmigal. I'm a church planner here in St. Louis, Missouri. And I just wanted to say thank you for your support. We launched our church in 2012 and you guys got behind us with great generosity. And uh, I just wanna say thank you for that. As you know, we've experienced a lot in the past year here in St. Louis with Ferguson and everything, and you guys uh, have been investing in this situation before you even knew about it by putting a church here in the city. And I just wanna say thank you for addressing needs before you even knew a need was present. My name's Joel, my wife and I pastor a church here in Dallas called Life in Deep Ellum. And because of your generosity, we exist. Our church is more than a church. We have a building that's a cultural center, a coffee shop, art gallery. Our intentions to reflect the neighborhood that we're in. We have like 13,000 people come through our building every year because of our various creative partnerships. And I just want to let you guys know that you're a part of that kingdom work that we're doing. My name's Troy Martin, and uh, my wife and I and family planted a church recently in Encinitas, California. On April 30th, just a few weeks ago, we had our grand opening. And at that grand opening, we saw 180 people that showed up for that day. And there were people who gave their hearts to Christ on that day at the grand opening. And I want to thank you guys. I want to thank Life Church uh, for partnering with us, for investing in, in the work of God in Encinitas. My name is Chad Stafford from Coastal Church in Daphne, Alabama. And I wanted to just take a few moments to thank you for your investment. Over five years ago, we started Coastal Church and you guys came alongside us. You invested over $3,000 in us in one year. And today, five years later, we are over a thousand people. My name is Chris Raley. I'm the Director of Leadership and Church Development for the Assemblies of God. And I wanted to say a huge thank you to each and every one of you and to Pastor Aaron for your unbelievable generosity and your partnership with us in expanding the kingdom of God through church planting. We've seen over 2,200 new churches started in the last seven years in the Assemblies of God. Over a million people have heard the gospel through the work of those church plants. And 24,000 people have made a decision to follow Jesus. Thanks again for your partnership. What you do, Life Church, is so important in fulfilling the great commission that God has given us. Well, thank you for what you're doing, and uh, just want to express my appreciation. So thank you so much for your heart and church planting. You guys are seeing lives changed in San Diego County uh, because of your faithful giving and because of your prayers. I just wanted to tell you thank you. We love you, and if you're ever down south, please come check us out and come see us. Thanks so much. We will never fill that tank without thinking of you. 
I want to thank you so much for your giving. I want to thank you for your heart. And I want to encourage you that over the next several years, let's keep planting churches to reach people and impact eternity. Thank you so much, Life Church.